At Life Church, everything that is given above and beyond the general fund giving goes to our Greater Initiative. Greater is broken down into three simple giving categories greater mission, greater generation, and greater expansion. At Life Church, we want to have a greater mission, whether it's around the corner or around the world, by supporting missionaries, churches, organizations, and projects through Greater you are making a lasting impact. Together, we are doing greater. Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you uh, this weekend. Hopefully, you're having a wonderful weekend. And uh, this weekend, we have a, a special guest, a couple that's going to come and share in just a minute. But on the seats that you uh, had when you came in, there are these cards that say the Millers. And Kevin Noel Miller, along with London and Ezra, are our guests this weekend. Uh, then there's also an offering envelope uh, greater. We'll get to that at the end. We're going to give you an opportunity just to bless this couple. But uh, if you've been attending Life Church for the last probably 16 months, you might not have had the opportunity to really get to know Kevin and Noel. But uh, they served on staff with us for about six and a half years in multiple capacities. And then about 16 months ago left to, uh, to go to basically to raise funds uh, and to prepare themselves for full-time vocational missions where they'd be located in, in Europe, in Brussels, working with Convoy of Hope. And um, I just, for the sake of just a little bit of, of, of history, um, you know, the church is always, the heartbeat is always about reaching people far away from the Lord, uh, letting people connect. It's never been about being a churchy church or a church for church people. Uh, that's, it's just, it's about people that are just, they're looking for hope, they're looking for answers, they need hope, they need answers, they just need Jesus. And so whether it's around the corner or around the world, that's always been our heart. And so in um, the, the last 15 years that Tammy and I have pastored here, uh, that's just been the driving thing behind what we do and how we do it. And so in, o, in, in 09, the fall of 09, I met a couple uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, who had just graduated from Bible College and wanted to be a missions and outreach pastor's. And I was looking to try to expand our staff in that direction. Uh, you never really have the money to do what you want to do, so vision always precedes provision. And it's just a biblical concept. And so you just kind of go, okay, God, I feel like this is what you're doing. We're going to kind of walk this out. We're going to step this out. We're going to do this. And so I, I, I met Kevin and Noel Miller, this young 20-something, early 20-something couple. I knew Noel's dad. Uh, I knew their home church pastor. And uh, just I'd played golf with, with, with Noel's dad and kind of got to know them. And, and it was just one of those things where we just felt like God was really in it. And the big thing was this. I wanted to hire a couple on staff that would be here for a few years, really catch the heart of the people, help us advance missions uh, and, and giving to missions and going on mission trips and the whole, the whole thing about missions as a local church, and then send that couple out. And so the goal was to be here for three years. Well, they were here for six and a half years because in 2012, we launched Life Leadership College. And in doing so, uh, I said, hey, guys, this is a four-year program, and I need you to give me a four-year commitment. And so they were willing to, to do that, and thus the six and a half years. And in their time here, man, they served in, in youth ministry and elementary and early childhood. Noelle oversaw, she was executive director for Family Focus, uh, missions, outreach, um, campus pastoring, 
At one point in time, when they first got here, uh, Noelle, actually, this is little known, but you should ask her about this. She, was, uh, she worked at, at uh, Sneakers, which is now Anytime Fitness in Germantown, I think for all of three weeks. And so she's got that, that little health uh, background right there going on, a little workout, something. And if you know Noelle, that's not happening. But anyhow, so uh, they, they then, they, so they were on the team, and in doing so, just really captured our hearts. Under Kevin's leadership, uh, you gave uh, and Kevin raised close to $3 million in missions. None of it to stay here, all of it to go out. And so it's of no surprise that this is what they're giving their heart and their life to. And I asked them when they left in, in May of 2016, I just said, you're going to go and you're going to raise your funds. And as you do, and, and you're going to, because that's basically what they have to do. They, the, the way we do this in the Assemblies of God is if God's called you to do this, then he'll provide. And so for them, they're going to Western Europe, which if you've traveled to Europe at all, uh, it's very expensive. And so they don't get to set this. It's a very modest salary, uh, would be less than the median income here uh, in, in the Germantown area is what they're required to live on. But because of the expense, it's about $120,000 a year annually with health insurance and all that kind of stuff living outside the country. And so they had to go raise that, and they did in record time. And then they were, you'll see more of the story today, where there was a process of something that was beyond even the raising of the funds that had to come about in order to secure their visas and then be able to, to go. And I said, when you, before you leave the last Sunday service that you have in the U.S., I want it to be with us. And so, man, we're your home church. We're your sending church. We're the largest financial contributor to what you're doing, and we're your biggest fans. And we just want a chance to be able to send you. And so... Uh, this afternoon, they've actually had to move a few things up because of uh, Hurricane Irma. And, uh, and so they are actually flying to Atlanta. They'll be able to see family one last time, and then they board a plane on Tuesday uh, where they'll be for four years without being able to come back to the States unless it's a medical emergency or they've been invited by a church to come and speak and minister for a particular weekend where they come and do that and they go right back. And so this is, this is their last time here. This is their last service at Life Church for so the three weekend services, and it's been amazing to see what God's doing. So I want them just to come and share their hearts, and I want you to give a crazy, wild, loving, warm, incredible welcome to our church family, Kevin and Noel Miller, as they come today. Can you do that? Thank you, God. Wow. <laughs> you guys are incredible. Thank you so much. Man, I have to say it feels good to be home. It feels good to be home. Thank you guys so much. We are so honored to be here to spend our last uh, couple of days before we leave the country here with you guys. And we just want to start out and uh, we just want to say thank you. Thank you to, to Pastor Aaron and Miss Tammy. Uh, you guys mean more than you know to us. And uh, we wouldn't be standing here and in this spot if it weren't for you and uh, all that you've done in our lives. So we sincerely just say thank you this morning. We appreciate you guys. And I just want to add to that in front of um, this audience here. As a woman in ministry, um, you guys have championed me um, and you have really allowed me to flourish in giftings that um, 
uh, and believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And so I just really want to say thank you um, to you, Miss Tammy, and to Pastor Aaron um, for for doing that for us as a family. And, um, you know, we've had the privilege of traveling this past year to raise funds um, for what God's asked us to do. And we've gone to different churches, and we truly understand the gift that Pastor Aaron and Miss Tammy are to this church, and not only this church, but to our community in Milwaukee. So can we just take a moment and give them some honor this morning uh, for their investment into our... They've made such an investment in our lives as I know that they have many of you um, here today. So we just wanted to give them some love and some honor as well. So, Absolutely. And, you know, many of you kind of know a little bit of our story. Some of you don't. But for Noel and I, our journey got started on a missions trip to Europe. It was to Ireland, actually. And we were 17 years old, and we didn't know each other. And uh, we didn't have a relationship with Jesus at the time either. And I'll never forget my mom asking me, hey, I want you to go on a missions trip with the youth group at the church. And I was like, mom, they're kind of weird. I just, I don't want to go. And she's like, well, I pay your bills, right? You live in our house, right? You're going. And I'm like, okay, all right. You know, teenager. So I go to the first trip meeting and I see this gorgeous young lady that was sitting there. And all of a sudden, God's perfect will for my life became very clear. I was like, yes, Jesus, I will say yes. So I went to my mom. I'm like, God is leading me on this trip. Like, I, I know that he's calling. She's like, what has gotten into you right now? So I went on this trip with the wrong motives and wrong intentions. And I have to tell you that God absolutely arrested both of our hearts while we were in Europe in such a beautiful way. And from that moment on, he's led us on a, on a journey to Europe. Yeah, you know, for us, God's really been stirring our heart about just a, a few concepts. And um, one of those being the idea of spiritual poverty. You know, uh, across Europe, you have on one side, you have the affluent, the wealthy. And then on the other side, you have a drastic opposite of that. And you have uh, extreme poverty. And God's really been stirring our hearts about the idea of spiritual poverty. That there's more poverty than what we can see and what we can touch, but there's the depravity of someone's soul. And so God's really been stirring our heart about a vision to reach Europe. And for us, it's really, it's really quite simple. Um, for us, it's to see the need. We know that um, it's not enough just to look at people, but to truly see people. Uh, and to serve the forgotten, whether that's the down and out or the up and over, God has placed it on our hearts to serve the forgotten. And we know that seeing people and serving people are for naught if we don't share the hope of Jesus with them. We understand that all across the continent of Europe, uh, there is a gener there's generations of people that deserve the right to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. We know that there are generations that deserve the right to lift their hands as we did this morning and sing about the amazing grace of a God who's rescued us and redeemed us and given us hope. We believe the continent of Europe has the right to hear those things as well. And so God's placed that on our hearts to do, to take our family and, and to see that happen. And we want to talk a little a bit about uh, what that looks like for us today. Yeah, we, we simply want to encourage you because it's not just our vision for Europe, but it's something that can be applied to the here and now for every single person here. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up with us to Acts chapter 3. Uh, if you don't, no worries. We're going to have it on the screens as well for you to follow along. But it's Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. 
Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all of the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. And some translations say Solomon's Porch. We only have three more chapters. I'm totally kidding. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, God, for uh, just giving us the opportunity to speak this morning. God, we pray that it is your word that's portrayed us, your words and not ours, God. We thank you that you give us an opportunity to share the good news, and the good news is you, Jesus. You are the good news, and so, God, I pray that hearts would be open this morning, God. I pray that people would just be taken one step further in you this morning, God, and we thank you for what you're doing. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, as we talk about seeing the need and serving the forgotten and sharing the hope of Jesus, we want to start out with just seeing the need. You know, I love this story because it, it shows a, a story of Peter and John walking to the temple just as they do every single day except for the Sabbath. They actually would go to the temple and pray three times a day except for the Sabbath. And so I like to think that they have passed this beggar many times before, right? If they go on the same route every single day, three times a day, they would have passed this man before. And I like to think that they probably recognize him they knew that he was there. They looked at him. But something changed this day because they actually were able to see him. I think there's such a big difference between looking and seeing. I think that we can look at someone and it doesn't require much out of us. We just recognize that they're there. But when we see someone, we see something deeper. There's a compassion that, that comes up within us, just like the compassion that Jesus had when he walked the earth, and we begin to feel for that person that's right there in front of us, and I believe that's what happened right here with Peter and John in that moment. You know, I think that, that the, the process of actually having our eyes open to see people like Jesus sees people is very simple. It's getting close to Jesus. Man, we can complicate so much in our faith walk, but when it comes down to it, it's just us getting close to Jesus. Then we begin to emulate who he is. And you know what? That's exactly what Peter and John did in this moment as they emulated who Jesus was and they saw this man. There's a couple of stories that Peter and John went through earlier as well in the Gospels. One was where they were on the, vo on the boat with other, other disciples, and Jesus was on this boat as well. And Jesus was sleeping while all of these storms were raging, and the disciples were full of fear and anxiety. They go over to Jesus and wake him up, and very nonchalantly, Jesus gets up, and he calms the storm. We fast forward through the Gospels where Peter and John are in a different scenario. They are actually the ones that are sleeping now while Jesus is awake in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's like the roles were reversed a bit. And Jesus in this moment is telling his disciples, please stay awake. This is what's important. Please stay awake for this. And you know, our prayer on our journey to Europe and in opening our eyes to see people is, God, let us be awake to what you're awake to and let us be able to sleep to what you're sleeping to. You know, I think God is, is sleeping to the fear that Noel and I may have about giving everything away, leaving all that we know, and moving to a country this Tuesday where we don't speak the language. He's sleeping to that fear. 
Because we know that in the kingdom of God, fear doesn't exist. It, it, you take out fear and you put power, love, and a sound mind. The Bible says that perfect love, God's perfect love, cast out every single bit of fear. That is the God that we serve, and he allows us to go on a journey with him to see people. I'll never forget a trip to Liverpool, England with you, with this church. I remember going and, and seeing people on the streets of Liverpool that seemed like they had it all figured out. They seemed like they had everything that they needed. And I remember going back, and it's just a different type of ministry that we were doing, and mentioning to our team, they seemed to have all the answers, right? And a couple of people on the team just mentioned the fact that but you can have all, all of the answers you think you have and have all of these possessions, but without Jesus, you have nothing. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so we are so excited to begin to see people and introduce them through kindness who Jesus is because that is what God has called us to do. But we can't just stop at seeing them. I believe we have to serve them as well. You know, for us, one of my personal favorite parts of this scripture, it would be more one of the more famous parts of it that people would often know, but it's where Peter and John look at the beggar and they say, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do I give to you in the name of Jesus. Walk. It was a few years ago, Kevin and I were doing some word study on that particular verse, and what's really interesting is in the Greek, if you take it a step further, it's, it really translates to say, silver and gold I do not have, but who I am, I give to you. So in that moment, Peter and John are, are there, and they're in front of this beggar, and he's asking for things, and, and Peter and John are not limited by what they have in their hands or by what they don't have in their hands. But instead, they know all of Christ dwells within them, and they say, it's not about what I have, but it's about who I am, and I give that to you. We believe in reaching people and serving the forgotten. It is not about what we have in our hands or what we don't have in our hands, but it's about whose we are. The Bible says that all of Christ dwells within us when we engage in a relationship with Jesus. And so we know that going over to Europe, we may not have what we need. We may have abundance of something that we think we need, but we end up not needing. But we understand that all of Christ dwells within us. That no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we are always capable to serve the forgotten. Whether that's on the continent of Europe or on the streets of Germantown or, or Cedarburg or Mequon or wherever you may find yourself, we are never limited to serve the forgotten because we are always partnered with Jesus and we're equipped with him to serve the forgotten. I, I've been so inspired by our time here at Life Church because I, I think of the countless times that I would be in early childhood with many of you, and, and you had given yourself the whole week to your family, a, a lot of moms in the room especially, and you'd given yourself your whole week to your family, and yet you come and choose to continue to give yourself to the children of Life Church and, and change diapers and deal with two-year-olds. I have one. Um, you, you would continue to do that because you knew it wasn't about what you had in your hands or what you particularly were capable of doing. But it was about serving Jesus and serving the forgotten. You know, a coworker of ours was in Hungary a few months ago, and, and they had gone into a village. And one thing that we love about Convoy is they creatively engage a community, and they do so through the local church. And so they had gone into this particular community, and they were taking family pictures because they noticed not everyone had family pictures, and they thought, wow, this would be a great way to, you know, engage the community. And so they go into the, this one particular room, and, and this dad comes forward, and he was like, I, 
I can't tell you how much this means to us because uh, we just found out that our four-year-old daughter uh, has terminal cancer. And so to be able to have this picture of her means so much to us, and he was so grateful for the opportunity. And, and so our coworker in that moment understood the moment, understood that it was a lot more than just a family picture that needed to be taken, but he took the moment. He said, do you mind if we pray for you? So he prayed for, for the little girl, for the family, and, and they went about the outreach. They went about their time there in the nation of Hungary, and it was a few weeks later that he was back in Brussels, and he gets an email from that pastor in that community. He said, you're never going to believe this. But from the moment that trip was over, that family has been in the church every time the doors have been open, and they had never been before. And it's so cool to see them engage with us. But the most amazing part of the story is that their four-year-old daughter is now cancer-free. You see, God, yeah, we can give God some praise for that. You see, we're not limited by what's in our hands or what we think is in our hands. And we understand that we are connected to a heavenly father that is so gracious and so kind and so loving that we begin to serve the forgotten. We don't serve them what we have, but we serve them who we are. And we understand that that's connected to a much higher power, that we're, we're connected to God. And so we understand, though, that it's not just enough to see people. Uh, it's not just enough, enough to serve people, but that we must share the hope of Jesus with them, them as well. Just as Noel said, it, those two things are incredible and they're good things, but without Jesus, it means nothing. And I, I, I don't want to move forward until I say this. I just want to be obedient to what I feel God is speaking right now in this moment. Um, I think sometimes we, we can get so caught up in, in the things that are ahead and miss what's happening right now. And I just feel like maybe there's someone here uh, or maybe you're watching online. I don't know what it is, but um, God sees you right now. And he just wanted to take a time out to let you know that he sees you and he recognizes you and he loves you so much. And he wanted to just take a time out to tell you that that this is a special time right now that he just wanted to say, I love you, and there's an open door for you. So again, whether you're here or watching online, he sees you right in this moment because that's the God that we serve, that he would take a time out in the service to say that to you because he loves you so much. So seeing and serving mean nothing without Jesus Christ, who is the answer for everything in our life. You know what? I love, I love the ending of this story because Peter, it says that he took the beggar by the right hand. He got on his level, first of all, and he took him by the right hand, and he began to walk with him, showing that, man, we are in the same place. He walked with him, and he had a choice to make, right? This beggar was healed. It was a, it was a miracle that just happened, and Peter had a choice to either take this good news to inside of the four walls of the temple to God's people, or he could take it outside of the temple to a place called Solomon's Porch. And Solomon's Porch is a place where the community gathered. It's a, it's a place where they would sell stuff. Commerce took place there. It was where the Jews and Gentiles did life together. It's where the community was. And Peter said, that's where I want to take the gospel. And he went with this beggar, and he shared about who Jesus was. And it said that thousands said yes to Jesus that day because he was bold enough to share the hope of Jesus. Can I tell you, there's been so many things that have helped us launch out into the fact of saying we're ready to give our lives to this completely. And one of those things, I remember a trip to Minneapolis with your students, Life Church. 
We're in Minneapolis, and I begin to see young people, middle school age, high school age, begin to share the hope of Jesus on the streets with people that they've never met before. They begin to pray for people, and people were getting healed right there on the streets. People were saying yes to Jesus right there, and these were students. And God began to challenge my heart and just begin to put a fire within us to say, how much more can we do? I'll never forget going on our first missions trip to Europe with Life Church to a, a small country called Montenegro. And I remember going on this trip and we partnered with a local church there and just showed love to the community that this church was in and showed people dignity. We had a job fair and face paintings and feedings, all of this stuff. But I met this one kid there. I called him the ninja boy. He had all these killer ninja moves, but didn't speak the same language. So we got to know each other through hugs and high fives and I remember getting to know this kid, and after the trip, I started to think about this one kid a lot. I began to think about the fact that, will he hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will he be introduced to the Savior of the world? I began to think about the fact that we have an opportunity to go all throughout Europe and build, church, build porches on the churches. Will this ninja boy be able to step onto a porch and be met where he is by someone who loves God right in that moment? Will the people in Minneapolis be able to find a porch of a church that's willing to say, hey, you are welcome here? Will you, your coworker, whatever that is, be able to find you as the porch to this church and say, hey, you are welcome right here and right now. There is a God that loves you and wants a relationship with you. That's the God that we serve, and we are at a place in life to where we say we are all in. Our cards are on the table. We're ready to give our lives to this. That is how much we believe in who Jesus is and what he can do for Europe. But he can do the same through each and every one of you sitting here. It's not just us that are seeing, serving, and sharing. God is saying there's an opportunity for you as well in this place. And I love how this story starts out. It's something very simple, but it says at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple. I begin to look at this story and all of the things that must have taken place before their 3 o'clock moment came. All of the people that were in their journey, and I'm looking out right now and seeing countless people that have been in our journey and given us the opportunity to be in our 3 o'clock moment right here and right now. So the 3 o'clock moment is here and we have you to thank for being with us and seeing, serving, and sharing. You know, for us, we understand that um, before our three o'clock moment, we've had mountains to climb and valleys to walk through and um, I tried to get through this whole thing without crying. Um, But we are so grateful for those of you um, in this room who have walked with us on mountains and uh, walked with us through valleys. And I remember being here a year ago, and uh, a little over a year ago now, and being on this platform and asking you to pray for us, uh, for our youngest son, Ezra, who needed to be adopted. And uh, we spent this whole past year traveling to churches and and asking churches to storm the gates of heaven, uh, to pray that Ezra would be able to be adopted in a certain amount of time so that we could uh, get his passport, get visas, get plane tickets, and, and all of those things. And we understand that uh, in walking up mountains and walking through valleys, um, 
that you are who you are wherever you are. So you, you see people, you serve people, you share people, and on your journey, whatever that may be, we know that you still have mountains, we still have mountains yet to climb and valleys yet to walk through that will be bigger than the ones that we've already gone through, but through it all, we have been able to find God faithful. We have found God so faithful when we say yes to him and yes to what it is that he's asking us to do. We have found God faithful. And so I know because many of you in this room have prayed with us, you've stood with us, you've celebrated with us. We thought it would be a really cool treat to share with you what that day was like for us, the day that we uh, adopted Ezra. And so we just wanted to show you a a quick uh, clip of that and celebrate with you today. So check this out. So how you guys doing? James and John, the sons of thunder right here we go. London and Ezra. How you doing? Good? You're not doing good? I am. You're, you are? You are. Hey, I heard somebody said you can whistle. Can you whistle? Mm-hmm. You want to whistle for everybody today? <laughs> he did it. He did it. <laughs> I heard you could dab too. Can you dab? <laughs> now, London, you, yeah, yeah, you got a different one. You want to give us your dab, London? You don't want to? You want to dance for everybody? Okay. Well, it is so great to have the whole family here and to hear from you guys today. And uh, this is all getting real. I mean, just in a matter of, of hours at this point, just a couple of days, this is all this right here is going to be. That's right. It's going to be going to... Are you done, Ezra? You want a nap now? You want to say something? My Ezra. Do you have anything you want to say to anybody? I love you. Hi. All right. Give him a big hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have him. All right, so talk to me, like, what's happening back home with the in-laws and the outlaws in good old Georgia? Are they excited to see you go, or what's going on? Some. Not yeah. quite. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, back home, it's, you would think everybody was wearing black and it was a funeral. But, um, uh, you know, people, 
saying goodbye is hard. Um, and so, you know, I think about people like my mama, who is like the most amazing person on the face of the earth, but you know, she's kind of having a hard time with it. A lot of tears, uh, a lot of emotions, you know, that are happening. And I think about Kevin's mom, who, um, Kevin's the baby of the family. And, um, nothing wrong with that. No, um, but she like pulled out all of his artwork <laughs> in the like living room, and she's telling um, <laughs> she's telling the boys, she's like, "Look, this is what your dad did," and it's like all these emotions, you know, are playing into it. And so, um, you know, there there's the reality of saying goodbye. Uh, our family is extremely supportive of what we're doing. They're excited for us, um, but there's the reality that we will be halfway around the world and um, not a short flight away. So, and that's, that's been tough um, and hard to kind of process all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, Kevin, you turned 31 in two weeks, right? So you'll be there for four years. And uh, so that means uh, when you come back uh, after your first term, you'll be 35. London will be almost 10. You checked him into elementary today. Yes, right? I checked him into over there, and he just waltzed right in, like he knew what he was doing. I'm like, "Hello, I'm here. You need me still?" Like, <laughs> "Hi," and he just waltzed on in. You know, right. it's crazy. So, talk to me about how does that how does that feel, Kevin? Talk about the emotions yeah. of all this is happening. Oh, it, it's definitely a melting pot of emotions. It's something that, just as we said, when we were 17, we dreamed of this moment. You know what I mean? So there's more excitement than anything, but then there's, there's the fact that we have committed to give our lives to this. You know, so we, we, we don't even think of four years. We think of this is our life. We, we, will, we will have boys that will live life longer in Europe than they would the States. You know what I mean? We're, we're diving into a completely new culture, new language. We're learning all of that. God, help us with French. I already have a Georgian accent. Pray for me, people. Yeah, pray for me. That. Don't y'all want to hear him come back and speak oh. French fluently with a Georgian accent? Oh, praying you, God just gives it to me, right? Just French right there. But French, as you'd say. French, boy. French. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's... Okay, people, is that funny? You know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but no, it's... It's becoming a reality. I think when we booked our, our one-way ticket, it was a, okay, here we go, you know, so, yeah. So, uh, you guys go to today, this evening, you'll get on a flight, I go back to Atlanta, see family, you board a flight, it's a good piece of advice, maybe some baby Benadryl for, for two guys, <laughs> and uh, so you'll be on that flight, and then um, you, you land, because you're in France for nine months, basically, in, in, in uh, language school which uh, sounds kind of romantic, like you're going to be sipping lattes, but the reality is, is you're 8 to 10 hours a day just cramming your brain trying to learn a completely different language in an area of the world that they don't speak English. You're not going to, like, Paris or some type of a, an area that's heavily tourist. Um, the entourage, I'm sure, that will be there to meet you and a big delegation of people. They'll have a house provided for you and, uh, you know, all of that. Is that right? A little off. No, right, so, we, so tell we have when you land. we have some incredible friends that are there, missionaries, but they'll be out of town. And so literally there's a van that's going to be at the airport in a certain location, which we hope to find out. And the keys will be hidden in that van in a certain location, which we hope to find that's out. That's a true story. Like, so, true. Uh, yeah, that's how we're going to. So right now in France, there's a van in a parking lot. It will be. Keys. A couple of days. Yep. Like CIA Tomorrow it will be at the airport waiting 
and we will find it and in Noel, the name of Jesus. Of of I was not a part of that so-called plan at all. Because um, that's totally Kevin Miller. It's yes. like, hey, it's okay. And then we'll find it. We'll figure We're it good. out. We'll figure it out. We have like 14 pieces of luggage, car seats, two kids, you know, the whole thing. So we'll find it, though. We'll find it. I believe so in So when you have us. 14 bags, that's everything you own. Yeah. Well, that's it. We, I mean, it's, it's All a, reduced down to that. Yeah, that's a point of life where you're going, all right, we get rid of everything and start over. So, yeah. So, you get there. Do you have a house? No. I mean, we have a, a place a to land for two and a half weeks. And then after that, it's yeah. such a long time. <laughs> um, so, we'll be there for two and a half weeks. And then there is a potential place that hopefully, there's just a, a lot that goes into it, so please, um, if you can make that just a matter of prayer for us, um, there's a potential house um, that we could rent, um, but there are a lot of hoops that we have to jump through in order to get it, um, and we're not there really to secure it, somebody could come before us, and so just a lot. Um, so a big house, because you guys got a It's two, a mansion. Huge. <laughs> so how big no, it? it's about 900 square feet, so we figured out the... Wow. the the conversion from square meters to square feet. We're like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. We can awesome, do it. Awesome. Car? I know the answer to this, but. <laughs> we don't have one yet. Right. So what we've been working on, and just so you know, is uh, the students for the last two years, your uh, junior high and high school students have been raising money and missions uh, to buy a car for the Millers. Again, this these are our people, and, and we're sending them out as missionaries. And so, um, what happens with the Sims of God World Missions is you don't, uh, you're not able to buy a home uh, in a foreign country or own anything of that nature. Uh, you aren't able to buy a car uh, with the funds that you have. Uh, it's not like you have a job and you kind of go spend it how you want to. There's a lot of regulations on what they can and cannot do, and it's pretty tight. And so if a, if a missionary gets a car, it's because a church like you raises the funds and they pay for it. That's how it happens. And so it's, a, it's, it's called Speed the Light. If you ever heard us talk about Speed the Light, that's what it goes for. And we have bought, you guys have raised money for countless motorcycles, mules in some back, back hills country, bicycles, cars for all kinds of missionaries. And now you're the ones that are in need. And so we, as of yesterday, were $3,000 short of having the $35,000 that we need in order to purchase them a vehicle. So if, if, if God's speaking to your heart today, that's, that's uh, also something that's there. But, but we're committed to you that we're, we're going to have that. We made a phone call last evening before the service because we've just spoken about this and, uh, may, and called uh, some people that are in administration to make sure that by the time that you get there and you're able to get that and you need that, that it's going to be there for you so that you guys aren't without that. I know there's public transportation and so forth and so on, but it's something when you have your own vehicle especially coming from our culture where that's just been something that you've had and you have the, avail the availability to do that. So any other thoughts, feelings, something else you'd want to say or share? This is just kind of a conversation uh, to kind of just. Yeah, it's, it's surreal to be sitting here right now and to look out and to see some of our, some of our closest friends that are here, uh, some people that have been like parents to us, uh, that are here in this place that have really taken us in and walked us through the journey that we're on. Um, I know that I talked about that whole three o'clock moment, but it's true. We wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for friends that have spoken and in, spoken into our life uh, that are here and that continue to. And uh, I don't know what else to say, but thank you. 
Like we owe a lot to you. And we, again, we would not be able to have this moment and launch our family out and say we're all in and give it all if it weren't for you speaking life into us and showing us uh, how to live out the gospel, right? How to live it out. And I, I think that there's a huge group of people and some of you don't even know the impact that you've had and continue to have in our lives. But we just simply want to say thank you. Yeah, I would... Um just echo that. Uh, so many of you have um, opened your hearts to us, which is something that um, is just so special, that you would open your hearts to a couple. Um, we were a young couple, and you gave us your trust. Uh, you let us grow in ministry and in what we felt like God um, was asking us to do. And um, we are so grateful so grateful for all of the the memories and for the love and for the care um, that you have shown us as a family, for the belief that you've had in us um, has just been really, really special to us. And I know this is the last service, so I feel like all the tears are coming out. Um, I'm sorry. But um, yeah, we just sit here with hearts full of gratitude um, for the grace and the love and the mercy that you uh, have showed us as a church body. So 